This is a Cubicle Renegade podcast, session number 15. In this episode, I sit down with Gary Vaynerchuk to talk hustle and online video. Welcome to the Cubicle Renegade podcast, where unfulfilled desk jockeys become fearless entrepreneurs. Learn from corporate escapees and world changers who are successfully building businesses that matter. Here's your host, Caleb Wojcik. Hey everyone, today we have a shorter but super special interview with Gary Vaynerchuk, who's an online entrepreneur, creator of Wine Library TV, and is the author of Crush It, The Thank You Economy, and the upcoming book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, How to Tell Your Story in a Noisy World. In this session, we dive into the difference between hustling and just working a lot of hours, how to have work-life balance, how to scale authenticity and engagement as your audience grows online, why it's never too late to get started, whether or not you should be doing videos online or not, and even who he wants the New York Jets to draft this weekend. Let's dive right into the interview. Thanks for joining me today. No worries. Let's do it. So when people think of you, they think of the word hustle. To you, what's the difference between hustle and just working a lot of hours each week? (laughs) The difference between hustle and working, just working a lot. Yeah, just working a lot. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. I don't know if I've ever been asked that question, and I've been asked a lot of fucking questions. <laughs> um, I actually think there's a big definition difference. I think uh, for me, what hustle—if you, you know—if I had to like, define it in four, you know, like people just make it a dictionary, it would be not only working a lot, and that's true. Mm-hmm. Two added things would be working smart, um, and then number two would be the big one, which is. For me, hustle represents working the right way, meaning doing the right thing, like overextending, scaling effort, trying to really help others along with you, almost even in a weird way, the definition of this interview in itself. Mm -hmm. And so on that topic, you recently wrote a piece for LinkedIn about one of your biggest regrets being that you didn't have balance between this hustle and spending time with your family in like the early years. So when and how did you come to that realization? communicating in that LinkedIn article, and so I'm going to use this article to explain it so we get ready for some traffic. Okay. Um, uh, you know, if you looked at it, I talked about two hours, 2%, right? Mm-hmm. I talked about, you know, five days, 50 hours. I talked about just a tweak. So I don't feel like I really had it misplayed. What I had misplayed, let me rephrase, I had it misplayed, that's why I wrote it. But I, I wanted to make the point that even if you take seven extra, it's sometimes just a little bit, right? It's just a tweak. I wish it took seven to ten more days in those five years. That's it, mm-hmm. right? So I felt like I was, you know, and the only realization is, I, you know, as you get older, you just want to spend more and more time with your loved ones. But I don't want to, I, I think that based on the comments that I've read and, and kind of like tweets and different things that I've seen, you know, people wrote things like, well, I'm so glad your wife stayed with you. I mean, we were, were, we are and were obnoxiously happy, right? Mm-hmm. But I would have loved to find five or seven days, you know, 50 hours here and there. You know, it, it's just, a, and, and that's what I've adjusted to. I've found more time. I, I definitely have done a better job on weekends and I've taken more vacation time. And that's it, really, nothing too, too crazy. Um, I still work my face off and I still probably work way more than 99%. And I'm happy about that. Uh, I'm equally every day just trying to get better, every day trying to get more, every day just trying to make my family and myself happy. I think we're all in this together. We all have different Mendoza lines that we want to achieve, what we want to achieve and what we want to do. 
I always strive for family first. I spend a lot of time, but, you know, I'm driven and, and enjoy my work as well. And so that's what you do differently now is when you're not working, even if it's a short amount of time, you're all in on your family. And then you try to take more extended vacation. So like full I, I days, think, weeks I think, off. I think what I, what I, what's different is when I look back, I realize it wasn't perfect. And so I'm just always striving for perfect. And so the only real difference is I'm just trying even harder, right? I'm just trying even harder. And, and I, I look back, I, ne- I don't regret anything ever, ever. But a half pregnant regret is a couple more vacations with Lizzie, right? Mm-hmm. A couple, a couple more weekends just walking downtown or going to the park or you know maybe a four day vacation in Maine. Yeah, enough to make me write that article. Enough for me to now do that more often with my kids and her. And so both my wife and I are entrepreneurs, and she's often the one that encourages me to stop working so much and to relax a little more. What do you recommend yep. to people that are you know addicted to? hustling or working hard? You know, just, I would say extremities. The thing that I'm winning in, that I think I'm winning in, is extremities. Um, I feel like I'm working more than ever. I really do. I really do. And I am. Um, But I also feel like I'm spending more time with them ever. And I think what's happening is I try to have to have pregnant. I try to come home early a couple times. I this, that, the other thing. Now I'm like, you know, I've, I've, I've structured more extreme working times and more extreme vacation times. And it's working for me more. I like that idea of extremity. So in the thank you economy, you talk about people being transparent and authentic online. How does authenticity scale as your brand grows into the thousands and millions of fans that you have now? Well, I think authenticity doesn't need to scale. Meaning, you know, you may be asking me a different question. Are you asking me how does engagement scale? I guess engagement, yeah, is the more appropriate question. You know what I mean? Um, I I think there's a dirty little secret. I think you hit a critical mass where you've done so much that your fan base um, supports you when you're not actually doing it. Meaning, I engaged with everybody for five or six years. I don't anymore. I I try. You can go look at my Twitter stream right now and see that I do. I always do. I answered a bunch of emails this morning on the flight up here. But can't do it to the same level because there's just too many more people pulling at me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is I get called out less than I did three years ago because I think it's, I think you know what's funny? I think you start forming a, a reputation. I mean, you know, doing the right thing has a funny way of working itself out. And I think I put in the work and there's good reputation for it. I continue to do it. I can't scale, but I'm scaling my effort. I've never tried harder. I think people feel that. And if somebody calls me out for it, I jump in. And I try to help. Or more interestingly, the thousands of people that have been touched by my engagement jump in for me before I can even get to it. So I think it becomes your reputation after a while. And that actually helps you scale it in a weird way. So you think as you grew, people were more understanding of the fact that your reach was bigger and that you weren't maybe responding to everyone? people always understand it, even if you're not that big. Mm -hmm. I always felt that people were pleasantly surprised, not the other way around, right? Absolutely. Um, And so, you know, I continue to try. You know, I just continue to try and, and let the chips fall where they are. I know I'm trying. I know I'm trying way more than my contemporaries, and I feel like that puts me in a good position. And so one thing I'm a huge proponent of for entrepreneurs online is getting into video. Um, and when you started Wine Library TV back in 2006, I mean, even the platforms weren't laid down like to, okay, you should be on YouTube or something like that. So for people that think it's too late to start video now, what do you recommend that they do. Do you think it's too late? That's, that's ludicrous, first of all. To think that it's too late. Too late for Facebook to start Facebook because MySpace was out. Mm-hmm. Was it too late for Reddit to start Reddit because Dig 
was out, right? Was it too late for Justin Bieber to come out because Britney Spears was out? Was it too late for Walking Dead to come out because Homeland was out? I mean, that's bonkers. The best always win. And so I recommend putting out content. If it's enough, you win. The end. Perfect. And I mean that. I mean that, right? It makes sense, right? Like, was it too late for LeBron James to become a basketball player? Was it too late for me to start a liquor store or, or get involved in my dad's liquor store? Was it too late for me to write books? It's never too late to do anything. Perfect. It's good enough. Yeah, absolutely. I love that angle. And and I love how some of your most popular videos are not like the super highly produced ones. You know, they're shot on your phone or your laptop while you're on a plane. Why do you think these ones ended up being so popular? I mean, all of my videos are that way. All of the, if I'm in charge, right? If I'm doing an interview for somebody else, they may make it nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're the most popular ones because they're the ones that I want to make. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so... The ones that come from me, uh, you know, I mean, the plane was ridiculous, right? Like, I wanted to say it so much that I was willing to make such a weird video, right? Like, it was dark. And, <laughs> yeah, you're like the emperor uh, from Star Wars with your hoodie yeah, on. Really, <laughs> you know, and so, you know, I think they're popular because those are the ones that I spur the moment and I have the most intensity for them and the most energy for them. And so that excites me. And so do you advise that people just start with whatever equipment they have video-wise or to, like, make an Absolutely. investment? Yeah. Just turn it on, put a Jets helmet out, and start talking about wine, right? I think if you've got the content and you find the medium that works for you, whether it's audio, video, written word, that the tools don't matter. And did you ever have trouble being on camera, like being natural, or did that just come to you? You know, I think if people look back at the first 50 episodes of Wine Library TV, they can see that I was different, and I was different because I was worried about scaring off the people that were actually paying my bills. You know, at that point, most of my clients were, you know, people that were spending twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars with me a year on wine up to hundreds, and I didn't want them to be scared off by, you know, my high intensity that I mm-hmm. knew was in me. Um, but then I just let it go because I realized how big it was and how I wanted to be me. So yeah, maybe for the first couple of months, you know, when I was still thinking about something else, but the second I decided to just be me, never again. And was there like a turning point there, like an audience growth and engagement when you did make that yeah, change? Yeah, you know, I think the turning point was like I knew that I was into it and I was going to do this. So since I was in for the long haul, I knew that it would net out to be a positive. So I didn't care if I lost all of them. Got it. And do you think video is the best way to build a personal brand? Like, do you think you'd be Absolutely where you not. are today without? No, I'm not because video is the perfect one for me. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that should not be on video that have huge personal brands. Mm-hmm. You know, there's plenty of journalists and tons of thought leaders and even, you know, politicians and athletes. You know, there's a lot of, you know, videos, you know, the written word, you know, Perez Hilton communicated to the world as a gossip blogger and written word, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, tons of people from written word, tons of people through audio, right? You know, plenty of radio stars, right? Rush Limbaugh, you know, has huge popularity. I mean, forget the politics aside, whatever side you're on. He has a huge audience, you know. Um, Keith Oberman, just to make this fair for both sides of the, you know, a lot of these people went on radio. Mm-hmm. So just pick the one that, now, like, now, fits now, you now best. Stern is radio, right? Mm-hmm. So not just pick the one. If you're a triple threat, if you can do audio, video, and written word, vote them all, you know? Absolutely. So, but, but, but know yourself. Know what you're good at. Don't try to be video because you think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't try to spread yourself thin if you think you're really good at one or if your audience is only at one place. Pick the one that's going to have the best. Will, your audience will go anywhere you're good at. So, mm-hmm. not number two. Your audience will 
calm and you're good. Uh, but number one, yes, know your strengths and weaknesses. Awesome. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your upcoming book. If you're able to at least talk about the gist of it, who is it for and kind of what is it about? Uh, for everybody who wants to sell something online um, or tell a story or, or you know, get donations or, or become famous, anybody who tries to, wants to tell a story online, uh, which I think at some level should be everybody, mm-hmm. uh, and it really talks about the specifics of what makes good content for Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, Instagram, um, and talks about why that's important philosophically and where the world's going from one person's point of view, which is mine. And so it'll dissect like what kind of content's good on each of those different platforms and how they're different and how to address each of them? Yes, and what the nuances of the platform are and where philosophically it's going and what psychologically the consumer's thinking. And, um, and so it acts a lot more like Crush It, but thank you, Economy, I get more tactical well that's awesome i'm definitely excited to read that one i have your other two on your shelf behind me and who do you want your jets to pick in the second and third round today ah uh, good question um i want to take i don't necessarily have players in the market but i more spots I'll do that on my flight, but i'll definitely do that on my flight home in a couple hours but i definitely player wise but i want to go position wise i want to go safety receiver tight end those three positions would get me excited. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me today, Gary. It was a pleasure. My pleasure, man. Thanks for this uh, interview. I thought this one was a good one. Thanks, man. Take care. Yeah, good luck to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow. So we definitely covered a lot in a short amount of time. So here are my three biggest takeaways from this chat. Number one, hustling only matters if you make time for the people that you love. Number two, it's never too late to start, no matter what kind of competition is out there. And three, don't let the kind of gear you have keep you from doing videos or audio for that matter. So if this is your first time checking out this podcast, I'd love to have you join our community of entrepreneurs. Just head over to pocketchange.com and enter your email to get access to the Cubicle Renegade Toolkit. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Pocket Changed Cubicle Renegade Podcast at www.pocketchanged.com. To read this episode's show notes or check out other sessions, head over to cubiclerenegade.com.